0: You heard read a few moments ago the last words of Jesus on earth. We usually don't read that story from Luke. Usually it's Matthew where the Great Commission is so beautiful or Mark where he says go to all the world. Luke records that part, but he records a a part of the story that uh, is untold in other accounts of Jesus' ascension. Of course, he's about to ascend and to heaven, it's his last moments on earth with his friends. Luke 24 says that in, that, in those moments, as he was be, even as he was beginning to ascend, he blessed his friends. He blessed them. He extended his hands, and even as he was, even as he's rising, so the last words they remember of Jesus, he's given them the Great Commission. And then the last words they hear of Jesus in the flesh on earth are words of blessing and we don't know exactly what that meant maybe he maybe he was speaking words of encouragement to them individually maybe he said for example to matthew matthew i know it it must have been hard to be a tax collector in this crowd but i admire the way you handled yourself i so appreciate your character maybe he blessed matthew by being encouraging maybe maybe he prayed to the father that the father would would do good, would grant favor to those his friends. Maybe he said of Peter, God grant to, Father grant to Peter a deep sense of forgiveness knowing that he is forgiven though he, though he betrayed me. Grant to Thomas a faith that transcends his normal doubts. Maybe he, he asked the Father to, to grant favor to his friends. But the, the point is that in his last, his last words, He blessed blessed his friends. Now, blessing goes all the way back to the very beginning of our Judeo-Christian tradition. In Genesis 12, verse one, God says to Abraham, I'm going to bless you and your descendants and they would become the great nation of Israel. And he said, through you, all the people of the world will be blessed. So blessing is as basic as the Judeo-Christian tradition is. Can get. Now we use the word "bless" and "blessing" um, for lots of things. When someone sneezes, we say uh, "bless you." That may go back to the sixth century when Christians were taking care of people who were suffering with the plague. When others were fleeing, Christians were taking care of the sick people, and and when they would sneeze, they thought, "Oh my goodness, they may be getting sick," and so they began to say "bless you" as a as an attempt to pray that they wouldn't, they wouldn't succumb to the plague. In the dark ages, the middle ages, when people were rather superstitious, when someone sneezed, they believed that was a window opening for the evil spirits to inhabit, to rush into their bodies through their nostrils. So they'd say, bless you, to try to keep the evil spirits out. Now we just kind of say it out of habit. In fact, next time you sneeze and somebody says, bless you, just ask them. And, and, where did that come from? And watch the confused look on their, on their faces. We say bless you at the beginning of a meal, or we say the blessing at the beginning of a meal. Somebody will say, uh, would, you, would you ask the blessing? And so that person, the designee will say, maybe something like this, God bless this food to the nourishment of our bodies. Although there are 3,500 calories on every plate of fat and sugar, but bless this Lord to transform it and to bless the, to the nourishment of our bodies we say it at the end of worship services the benediction benediction does not mean closing prayer it's Latin for blessing so a deacon or anybody minister anybody might say God bless these good people blessing is a means of affirmation so Years ago, young Paul Davis took me to buy me a cup of coffee at Starbucks and asked for my blessing because he had the audacity to want to marry our, our daughter, but he wanted our blessing. Our blessing. We say it about each other's hearts, right? Not sure where that came from, but in the south, I love. If you say it, you can say just about anything after you say, bless her, bless her heart or bless his heart. But blessing in the Bible is about more than hearts and sneezes and closing prayers and affirmation. It's, it's about more than thanks before the meal. It, there are two, two things in the Bible. Uh, one is to, to bless people with the gift of encouragement, positive words. And the second is to pray for the favor of God on people. Let's look at both of those. First, to bless someone, to be a blessing or to bless someone is to grant them the gift of something positive, usually a a word of encouragement. First Thessalonians 5.11, encourage one another and build each other up. We live in a tough world. Lots of people feel beat up and ready to give up, people feel cut down, put down, beat down, worn down. And I know there are people in this room and watching on live stream and television who, who could use a word of encouragement, a blessing, somebody to say, Attaway, I believe in you. I'm behind you. I know it's a hard time, but I'm here with you and I'm here for you. Lots of people need a, a word of encouragement. And what would it be like if, if followers of Jesus were known as blessers? if when people who are not yet followers of Jesus, when they were feeling stress, what if they were to look us up because they know that if they were to come to us, we would not judge them, but we would bless them. We would offer them a positive word. What if we were known as blessers in this proverbial dog-eat-dog world? Bless people and bless people now. The Greek word in the New Testament for, the, for blessing is the word eulogia, from which we get the word eulogy. About the only time we use the word eulogy is at a funeral. And the minister or a family member will eulogize, which literally means to bless the memory and legacy of the deceased. To, eulo, to bless is to eulogia, but let's not wait till the funeral to Eulogia people. 10 days ago, Carrie and I got a message from a friend in Kentucky. I performed their wedding ceremony. I baptized her husband. Her husband has been diagnosed with a, um, a frightening and potentially, well, it is a life-threatening illness. And she wrote to a few of us and asked if we would produce video, make some videos just on our phones. uh, Some videos for him and here's what she said, I have sat in many memorial services and heard people stand up and tell about that person, about what that person meant to them. What I always wonder is if the deceased knew how the person speaking felt. Hopefully my husband will still be watching this video five years from now. But if not, he won't leave this world without some last words from some of his closest friends. Eulogize people. But not just at their funerals. Bless them now. But what if you have to have hard conversations with people? Travis, I'm the plant manager. I'm the shift supervisor at the plant and I can't just walk around saying nice things to people. I have to hold people accountable. Or Travis, I work at HR and I'm, I'm usually the one that has to fire people. So how do I bless people? Well, you can remember, remember two words, respect and redemption. You can always, even in hard conversations, speak to people with respect and honor the creations of God that they are. Respect and redemption so that even if if we're having to have a hard conversation, we're not writing people off. We're making it possible for this situation to be redeemed, for something good to come from it. So we we can bless people even when we have to have hard conversations with people. So the first meaning in the Bible of blessing is a word of encouragement to build people up. But the more common use of eulogia in the Bible is to pray the favor of God on to people. In number six, God says to the priests of Israel, your main job is to pray God's blessing on people. And we believe as followers of Jesus that all of us are priests. The priesthood of believers, we, we Baptists claim and love that, that Christian truth that we all are priests, which means that we have a big responsibility to pray the favor of God on, on other people. Remember the word in the New Testament is, for blessing is eulogia, I'm not a Greek scholar, but I have some really good books and I went to my Greek New Testament and looked up the definition of eulogia and it's beautiful. Listen. The act by which people call down upon other people the grace of God. To bless someone is to call down the unconditional, undeserved, unlimited, unrelenting love of God onto others. Is to call down, to summon, to plead for the grace of God into the lives of, of other people. You know, I say something like that at almost every wedding. I say, we've come, some of you, from great distances to wish this couple well. But we can do more than wish them well. We can talk to the Creator and pray that He would do good for them. Would you join me in a prayer, I say, of of blessing? Bless is more than to wish someone well. It is to summon the grace of God into the lives of other people. The Bible mandates that we do that even for people we don't like. Jesus said, bless those who curse you. And that is repeated three times in the New Testament. In four major texts in the New Testament, the Bible says to bless those who curse you, bless those uh, get for, uh, toward whom you might not be feeling all that charitable at the moment. So that prayer might go something like this, Lord, I'm not real crazy about him or her right now. What he said or she said or did wasn't fair, was uncalled for. And my emotions are not all that positive, but I know that you love him or love her with all of your God-sized heart. So would you bless him? Would you bless her? Bless their health, bless their families, bless their vocation. Now, Lord, one day I may get around to feeling better about him. But until then, would you grant them favor? That is our Christian mandate. To bless those who have cursed us. We are to to bless even those we don't particularly like. And we have the marvelous opportunity of blessing people we love deeply but who need more help than we can give. You with me? We we have the wonderful opportunity to pray God's favor on people, people we love deeply who need more help than we have the power to offer. One of my favorite novels is the novel titled Gilead. It's about... Reverend Ames, A M E S, a wonderful elderly pastor. And it's about Jack, his godson. Jack is actually the son of one of Reverend Ames' good pastor friends. But Jack is a mess. Jack has been in trouble with the law. Jack has let his family down more times than they can count. Most people i have written off Jack, but not Reverend Ames. Jack has blown into town again, let his family down again, and is blown out of town again. Reverend Ames caught him down at the bus stop. He gave him a few dollars for his trip. We sat there for a while, Reverend Ames wrote. And then I said, the thing I would like actually is to bless you, Jack shrugged. What would that involve? Well, Reverend Ames said, as I envision it, it it would involve my placing my hand on your brow and asking the protection of God for you. But if it would be embarrassing, there were a few other people around. No, 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 Jack said, "that, that won't matter. And Jack took his head off and set it on his knee and and closed his eyes and lowered his head, almost rested it against my hand. And I did bless him to the limit of my powers. Whatever they are, repeating the benediction from Numbers, the Lord make his face to shine upon thee and be gracious unto thee. The Lord lift up his countenance upon thee and give thee peace. Nothing could be more beautiful than that or more expressive of my feelings, certainly, or more sufficient for that matter. Then when he didn't open his eyes or lift up his head, I said, Lord, bless John Ames Boughton, this beloved son and brother and husband and father. Then he sat back and looked at me as if he were waking out of a dream. Thank you, Reverend, he said. I told him it was an honor to bless him. And that was absolutely true. In fact, I'd have gone through seminary and ordination and all the years intervening for that one moment Then the bus came. I said, we all love you, you know. Jack stopped in the door, tipped his hat, and he was gone. God bless him. Do you have a Jack? Is there someone you love desperately who needs more than you have the power to give them? Someone that, that, that most have written off? Somebody who's disappointed his or her family more times than they can count? Do you know a Jack? You can call down the unconditional, undeserved, unlimited, unrelenting love of Almighty God on your Jack. That's how you bless him. Does anybody here have a Jack? Does anybody here have a Lot? Lot had made a a series of selfish choices and he'd gotten, you might say, wrapped up, caught up in the wrong crowd. And and Abraham, his uncle, prayed for Lot. He pleaded with God for Lot. Lot was in over his head. He was in a situation he couldn't get out of. Genesis 19, 29 says, so when God destroyed the cities of the plain, Sodom and Gomorrah, He remembered Abraham, uh, Uncle Abe. And he brought Lot out of the catastrophe that overthrew the cities where Lot had lived. Don't miss that phrase. He brought Lot out of the catastrophe. Anybody got a lot? Anybody made a series of bad choices, fallen in with the wrong crowd, finds themselves... In one of the cities of the plains, anybody here know a lot? Abraham blessed Lot. He pleaded with the Creator of the universe, "God, rain down your grace on Lot." And God, God delivered Lot from that catastrophe. Anybody got a Jack? Anybody got a Lot? Anybody got a Chrissy? Jim Simbola for 50 years, this year celebrates 50 years as pastor of the Brooklyn Tabernacle, a church that began with 30 people. Now it's a mega church in New York City. Known ma- mainly most for its, um, its choir, the Brooklyn Tabernacle Choir, directed by his wife, Carol. Several years ago, the, everything was going great. The church was growing and Wonderful things were happening. And what to look in from the outside, you'd think Jim and Carol Cimbala had it made. It was, oh man, it was, everything was clicking. But inside, Jim and Carol Cimbala were dying over their daughter, Chrissy, who had wandered a long way from the truths, the values, the principles that she knew. Anybody looking in from the outside would have said, Jim and Carol, Cymbala have it all. But inside they were distraught, broken, over Chrissy. In fact, Carol, Cymbala said she almost, she almost heard the devil say directly to her, you've got this big choir and you're making albums and you're singing at Rocket City Music Hall, but I'm going to have your children. I've got one and I'm coming for the other two. On a Tuesday night in February, they held a prayer meeting at their church and this is a, probably you'd characterize it as a charismatic church, meaning that they really pray fervently and powerfully and emotionally and. Jim Simbola had given a, a small devotion and then, and then the church simply began to pray. And again, if you can imagine the fervent prayers of a room like this full of people. One of the ushers came to Jim of the pastor, and handed him a note from a lady in the congregation. A lady who didn't know Chrissy's story, apparently, had handed, had written a note, and they handed it to the pastor that said, Pastor, I feel impressed that we should stop and pray specifically for Chrissy. Jim Simbala, the pastor and dad, hesitated, but he, he told everybody what had happened about the note. About, he told a little bit of Chrissy's story and they began to pray, he said, so fervently that some were even groaning. And he said it was so almost overwhelming, the prayers. That was Tuesday night, Thursday morning. Jim Cimbala was shaving when his wife Carol came in the bathroom and said, Chrissy's here. Jim went to to the kitchen and on the floor in a heap was his daughter sobbing. She grabbed her daddy's pant legs, began to confess and plead for forgiveness. He picked up his prodigal girl and And they embraced for the longest time until she pushed back and she said, Daddy, who was praying for me? Who was praying for me, Daddy? What do you mean, Symbala asked. On Tuesday night, Daddy, who was praying for me? Symbala hadn't mentioned the prayer meeting. She continued, in the middle of the night, God woke me and showed me I was headed toward an abyss. There was no bottom to it. It scared me to death. I was so frightened. I realized how hard I'd been, how wrong, how rebellious. But at the same time, it was like God wrapped his arms around me and held me tight. He kept me from sliding farther as he said, I still love you. Daddy, tell me, who was praying for me Tuesday night? Anybody got a Chrissy? Or a lot? or a jack. We have the wonderful opportunity of pleading with the one who hung the stars in space to rain down his grace on people. Now I know Every Chrissy, every Lot, every Jack has a free will, meaning they make their choices and they chart the course of their own lives. And God doesn't violate that, but it's also true that his love is unrelenting. His love is relentless. His power is limitless. So for all the aunts and uncles and fathers and mothers and friends and brothers and sisters, of the Jacks and the Lots and the Chrissies. You can encourage them. You can love on them. But you can do better than that. You can summon the grace of Almighty God into the lives of your Lots and your Jacks and your Chrissies and you can bless them.